am I ready? Live from the basement of Voodoo Sound, it's time to get your mojo working. I got my mojo working, but it just won't work on you. Take the next 40-odd minutes to get your hands on some tips and tools that will get you working at your best in both your business and your personal life. Hey, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of the Mojo Radio Show, the show where we talk to the best of the best in all areas of your life to help you get your mojo working. And before we start... Mate, that's not that's not the intro that we were supposed to be doing for this show. Yeah, I know. Okay, I played the wrong one. All right, hang on. No, no, no. Here, 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 play the CD I gave you this morning. Play that. Hang on, I just got to put it in. Hang on. Let me just stop this. Hang on, open the drawer. CD in, close it up. All right, so this is it. Hang on, here we go. sweet is that that's very cool it's uh, it it's very dorsey it is very dorsey and i'm just going to tell you a story because last week i went to the sydney country music festival right and it was out in the um norwest area of sydney and there were five thousand people i mean i think was- i saw the polaroids of you at that you had a stetson hat and some chaps on and that was about it was that with you <laughs> uh got a visual um <laughs> It was it was really cool. I was amongst my people because you know you know that I love my country. But there's a story mm. behind this. Mm. Now, it was a long day. Gates open at twelve o'clock. Mm. First act on mm. was at it was Luke O'Shea started at one o'clock. One hour sets, twenty minute changeover, wow. and the the big band, the the um, headlining band, comes on at nine thirty at night. So you're talking eight odd hours. Yeah, that's a huge day. It is a big day, right? And it's a family event, so mm. I'm there with the family. My wife doesn't want to miss anything, says, we're going to go at one o'clock for the first band. And I was like, oh. And I was going to see McAllister Kemp, who I know drew McAllister quite well, and they were the headlining act. Brilliant, brilliant, country proud, hell yeah. These guys are just on it, golden guitar winners. And I was vibed to see these guys. So I'm thinking, well, they're at 9.30. We'll kind of get there at 6, 6.30, have a walk around. We'll see the McClymonts, then we'll just walk out with, with the boys, right? Mm. No, 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 I've got to get there early. So it's like, oh, you know, it's 32 <laughs> degrees, strap yourself in, sitting in the hill. It's a great venue, but it was just, mm. I didn't really see anybody in the lineup starting that I wanted to see. And those chaps start to chafe after a while too, <laughs> don't they? <laughs> <laughs> so we have sat there through a number of acts. None of them are doing much for me. My little girl said, can we go to the climbing wall, the rock climbing wall? I said, yeah, perfect. Change over of bands. The band coming up are called Wagons. Never heard of them. Got no interest whatsoever. Mm. Head to the climbing wall. And I've got my back to the stage on top of the hill. Mm. And she's in a, a lineup for quite a while waiting for it. The MC comes on and says, next up, Wagons. You won't have heard of these guys, but once you've heard them, you'll never forget them. And mm. I went, that's such a cool intro, isn't it? Yeah. That piques your interest. It's like, well, now you go, well, how good are these guys and why will I never forget them? Anyway, the band starts and they've played a couple of numbers and after each number, I'm telling my wife going, I am really liking these guys. I'm really vibing it. We're going to get up this rock climbing wall. I've got to go and see these guys. But I can't see them because they're down the hill in the amphitheater. Mm. 
then they played that opening track that you just played, that drive all night, and I went, I'm sold. This is great. So when I got to see the see them, the front guy is like a he's a Bernard Fanning type looking guy. Mm. But he's a cross between Jim Morrison and Michael Hutchins, and he... I've got a really ugly he, picture in my mind. <laughs> <laughs> the love child. <laughs> um, he was great. He had the audience. Honestly, he just lifted them and took them on a journey. Yeah. And the reason, number one, I, I love the band, and I, I, they're, they're exciting for me. I, I, would, I would definitely want to see them some more. Mm. And... I took a lot out of this because I had written them off because I hadn't heard of them before. Mm. And my lesson out of this was we shouldn't write stuff off just because it's unknown to us. Mm. Because curiosity is about experimenting and finding new things. Mm. And you've got to put yourself out there. And I had written these guys off and I'd gone to the familiar known. Yeah. And because I hadn't heard of them, I immediately drew a picture in my mind and went, no, it's not worth the time. And yep. to our listeners out there, the people who are the Mojoites who are with us on this journey, I'd say, pick one thing this week and put yourself out there, whether it be a book, a magazine, TV show, a theater show, go and see a band, walk down a street, just pick something, the smallest thing to putting mm. yourself out there. Mm. And surprise yourself because it, for me it was a what if moment. If I hadn't been talked into going early, let's face it, I was forced into it. But had I not gone early, I wouldn't have discovered these guys, and I would be really missing out because I really dig their music and their mm. stage show mm. is terrific. And I think it's something we tend to lose because we get so caught up in the doing part and the pace of life and multitasking and mm. always being on. We lose that sense of adventure mm. and. I took a big lesson out of that the weekend. Do you know what would also be good? If um, if people did do that, if they went to the website, themojoradioshow.com, and let us know what they did and if it worked, if they discovered yeah, something that, that was really cool. Well, post it on the Facebook page. Yeah, yeah there Facebook you go. Page, Easier. Um, yep. Would be good as well. And um, just before we get into our guest, because I'm actually pretty excited about our guest today because it dovetails onto this sort of health and wellness thing, mm. little journey we're on this last couple of weeks with... Anna Devena last week who gee the feedback on Anna was was brilliant yeah um, but before we get into Michael this year to talk about sort of food and diet and wellness and holistic health mm. can you put that uh, second track on yep. that, that uh, it's called yep. uh, Willie Nelson because I'm all a fan of the Willie yeah I've heard that about you just for future reference Bert Whistle we live in the day of MP3 okay this <laughs> CD right stuff up. is antique hang on here we go hey that country music with the country feel with our evening meal on Okay, let's segue from Willie Nelson to health and fitness, which I know is a long boat. Getting your mojo working. This is the Mojo Radio Show. Last week, we had Arna Devader on, and we talked about sleep and how it affects our health. And, Robbo, you were talking about your nutrition, nutritional habits. Mm, cherry ripes. Cherry ripes. Mm, cherry mm, ripes. Cherry ripes. And I said we'd get somebody on to talk about health and wellness, and in particular, our diet and food. So mm. I'm very 
very pleased to welcome our special guest this week is Michael Smith. And Michael is a dietitian nutritionist who is based in Gladstone in mm. central Queensland. So he'd be a good country boy. Um, mm. Michael, welcome to the show, mate. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. Um, Michael, you've, you've got a different approach to what you do. How do you describe your business or how do you describe your practice? Well, because we were just discussing off air that I live in a fairly isolated area, so a couple of days a week I I travel to a clinic to work, but the rest of the time my consultations are via Skype. And so for that, I gather as much information as I can. So I take what I call a functional medicine approach. So I'll look at uh, how the thyroid's working in great detail, you know, greater than you'll get done at the doctor's the adrenals, the digestive health, and I'll sort of work out where the imbalances are, then bring that back into balance. Hmm. Um, now, you're working from outside Gladstone, which is in central Queensland. You're based uh, between 1770 and Agnes Waters, and I've rode with the two to cures through there. It is a beautiful part of the world. Um, you mentioned you're doing a lot of work now with people via Skype, and I know there's somebody who lives um, in the remote areas outside of Sydney who's working with you on Skype. Do you see that being a trend in the future where more will be done via um, technology? I think so, yeah. More and more people are doing it, and uh, one of my mentors is a guy called Dr. Daniel Kalish in the US, and he's been doing it for years. And things like the new... You know, the new Apple phone update, the iOS 8, a lot of that information will be able to go straight to your health practitioner. And so they can see what your blood pressure is doing. They can see your calories, your the breakdown of your macronutrients and what you're eating. They can see how much exercise you're doing. So it's, it's easy to keep track these days. And with modern technology, it's easy to jump online. You can see the person quite clearly and see all the lab results. So it's, you know, it's, I don't do iridology and those sort of uh, maybe traditional naturopath things, so Skype consultations are fine. Who would be your, I guess, typical uh, client that you are seeing? Describe describe the sort of people you are spending most of your time with today. People always seem to come with the same main same problems. It might be fatigue or digestion or hormonal um, sometimes, you know, anxiety, depression, stress, but if they're all interrelated. You can't really treat one without the other. You can't treat, uh, you know, depression and stress without treating your digestion. Um, you can't treat things like weight without looking at the hormones. You can't treat, you know, menstrual cycle issues without treating, you know, addressing the adrenal function. So they're probably the main things is the weight, digestion, hormones, and depression. And somebody comes in and talks to you, what are they saying to you? So there's somebody listening to this podcast right now. They suspect that they're, they're just not on. They know in their own mind their mojo is not working. What sorts of things would they be feeling? What sorts of things would be the obvious symptoms that would immediately alert you to the fact that something was wrong with their digestion or their hormones or adrenals? What, what would they be saying or what would they be feeling? Well, sometimes people can have, you know, some very clear symptoms that, you know, something's wrong. But a lot of people just come in and they're just tired. They haven't got enough energy. Um, and they might not, you know, they might be 10 or 15, 20 kilos overweight, but 
they're not even it's probably be, they've probably come to accept that and they just want to get some more energy that's probably the biggest thing mm. um, and so they're not symptoms they often go to their doctor and they'll get checked out and all their blood tests come back fine so they just sort of say well you know exercise more and eat less and and you'll be right but it doesn't always work like that for me I am a Crohn's sufferer so um I'm always behind the eight ball when it comes to energy in the first place. Um, so for people like me, you know, with these digestive stroke bowel disorders um, and even, you know, things like um, celiac disease and all that sort of stuff, do you have any tips of, of things we can do or try to sort of get ourselves back ahead of the game? Well, the first, the first place I always start with is the diet. And sometimes people say, look, I'm eating a really healthy diet and I might look at them and well, I might look at their diet and it does look pretty good, but mm. they might be eating um, too much of, I'm not sure if you're familiar with FODMAPs before. Yep. They're fermentable vegetables and foods that cause a lot of gastric digestion upset. Mm-hmm. So I might sort of look at eliminating them or they might be eating you know, so-called healthy whole grains. So I'll put them on a gluten-free diet, a low inflammatory diet for yep. 30 days and just see how they react. Uh, but there's some specific supplements that I'd look at. Um, you know, if they're not producing enough digestive enzymes, digestive acid to break down the food in the first place. Mm. And a lot of people are on like acid-lowering medications for reflux or Nexium, those sort of things, and they can yep. actually make things worse in the long term. Yep. What about some of the medications like um, high-dose steroids and all that sort of stuff? That has an, an effect too, doesn't it? It certainly does, and like, it can be helpful in the short term, like... Like, you know, steroids are something they treat Crohn's with. They can be helpful mm. in the short term, but mm. it's only treating the symptoms. It's not going to That's right. affect anything long term. Mm. So with Crohn's, like reducing down the inflammation, and there's a lot of good research coming out now with uh, addressing it with probiotics and the good bacteria. Mm. Down in Sydney, uh, they've done the pioneering research into stool transplants, which has been hugely successful. Stool? Transplants? Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna come on to stools <laughs> because it's it's definitely one of the things I want to talk about poop today. So we're definitely gonna come to stools. Let's let's just backtrack through some of those little things you've you've put there, Michael, because I think there's some some, some really interesting things for us to get straight for people. You mentioned a gluten free diet. Can you just give us a quick snapshot of what what gluten is and why gluten is creating issues for people? Well, gluten, it's a protein found in like the wheat mainly, but also rye and barley. And for everyone, it creates a release of a chemical called zonulin, which creates inflammation in the digestive tract. So sometimes people may not necessarily have digestion symptoms. They might have, like I've seen people cut out gluten and arthritis goes away or their brain fog goes away. So I just say to people, just let's just cut it out for 30 days and see what difference it makes. But also I recommend they don't eat what I call the gluten-free crap as well, like gluten-free breads and gluten-free yeah. biscuits and and just eat a real food diet. Like I base it on like a paleo diet, but I don't necessarily recommend people stick to a paleo diet 100% all the time. Like if you cut out all the grains, all the processed foods and the dairies, and then in a month's time, you can introduce one or two, one at a time and see how you feel. Some people might be fine with you know a little bit of rice or quinoa. Uh, some people might be fine with dairy. It's interesting, Michael. I um, I work one on one with a guy in uh, in Sydney, and we just had a, a call this morning, 
uh, about his mojo and he had gone down exactly as you talked about and he had eliminated gluten, processed foods, grains from his diet, was very clean and then he took his kids to breakfast yesterday morning and had what he thought was quite a healthy granola with lots of seeds and nuts but it had oats and a few other things mixed in and he included some yogurt and he said within minutes of having the mouthfuls his stomach started to play up and it was just a really good sign for him that he'd eliminated it and when he put it back in again uh it just didn't work for him but he'd realized that he'd been going on for years and years and years thinking that was natural to have that in his system and to feel sluggish and to feel bloated um but the elimination part was the wake-up call for him yeah and that's when you don't realize how good you can feel um yeah. gluten can create uh Something called like gluten morphine-like peptides, so they can they can dull the uh, that pain response that it can cause. So you often don't realise you cut it out for a month and then reintroduce it, the, the yeah. damage they can cause. And also that's part of the reason why it can be quite addictive. A lot of the times, I might get people to cut out coffee for a short period or alcohol for a short period, and and people are often happier with that. But when I say they've got to cut out gluten for a month, it's they struggle. Yeah. You don't tell yeah. them to cut out caffeine and alcohol at the same time, do you? Surely no one can survive that. <laughs> well, you know, I quite enjoy coffee myself uh, in moderation. I used to enjoy it in excess yeah. years back when I was a chef. But, uh, you know, sometimes for some people, if they're in adrenal fatigue, they might have to really uh, cut down their coffee. Yeah. I always negotiate on coffee. <laughs> Robbo, um, looking around the studio here, mate, you're going to have to get rid of the Tim Tams and the Monte Carlos. <laughs> it's a gluten yeah. fest, mate. It's a gluten fest it, in here. It's a gluten fest in this place. You're right. The um, the short so, red fingers as well. Yeah, I think we're going to bring a garbage bag in here. We're going to get rid of all this stuff, clean it up, and bring you in some uh, some goodness, buddy. Just leave me the espresso machine. That's all I need. Yeah, leave the espresso <laughs> machine. And sometimes people eat like a really good diet. Like you mentioned the Tim Tams, but sometimes people do it really well, like five or six days a week, and then they'll splurge on these foods, mm. but that can actually, that can cause inflammation. So, you know, you're better off splurging on homemade uh, mm. treats rather than these store-bought mm. treats because they're full of not just sugar, but uh, preservatives, chemicals, numbers, omega-6 fats, you know, mm. industrial processed fats that can cause a lot of damage. There's a, a mate of mine, a guy called George Blair West, who I'm not sure if you know of, but he's a psychologist or actually a psychiatrist. And he talks about the psychiatry of eating. Um, and he, he mentions um, letting, yourse- letting yourself have time off when you're dieting or even in your normal diet. But instead of having six Tim Tams, have one and eat it really slowly and enjoy it and think about how much you're enjoying it and that's all you'll need is the one. How important is psychology in the way we eat? It's quite important. It's, uh, people can be quite addicted to food, so it's hard for them just to sort of, it's hard for people to stop at one Tim Tam. That's what I'd be thinking there. Mm. Um, so it's not just a matter of like exercising and eating right. Like the mental side of things is, is really important. Yeah, because there's always that that thing in the back of your mind saying, "Oh, look, I'll just have one." Oh, uh, oh well, one was good. I'll just have two, isn't there? That's always the battle. And you got that open packet sitting in the fridge, mm. and it's hard to resist it. That's right. Like your, your mind, especially if you have a food addiction, your mind's constantly thinking, "Hmm, there's Tim Tams in the fridge." 
<laughs> my Tim Tams never make it to the fridge. <laughs> the Tim Tams never made it to the fridge. They're sitting on the panel <laughs> next to him. <laughs> oh, dear. oh, that's gold. Mate, tell me. Um, Sorry, Gary, what was that? What did no. you just say? <laughs> that's gold. Just- Hang on. <laughs> Let me play you this. That's gold. Um, two things, Michael, I just want to sort of touch on before we go on is this this whole fatigue thing and, and you nailed it because I, I share a similar belief. I think that most people don't know what it feels like to feel good and if nothing else from this little show today, Michael, I'd just like people to to be able to have a couple of signals that things don't have to be the way they are and that they should seek out people like yourself to get them on track because – you know, the last number of months, I know a number of people who have followed your philosophies and are feeling a million bucks. I never realized. And in quote, one guy said to me, I'm feeling dangerous. He said, I've re- never realized how much energy or clarity of thought I could have. I'm feeling dangerous, which, you know, that's, it's, it's got to be such a rewarding thing for, for people like yourself. Um, what are some of the signs that you know that someone is not feeling as good as they should? So probably the number one one is what we're just talking about is your digestion. So if you're getting, you know, if you're not going to the toilet every day or it's, you know, loose or falling apart in the toilet bowl, there's something called the Bristol stool chart. So people can kind of check that out and, and see what their stool's like. It should be, it should be well-formed because if your digestion's not working right, you could have things like leaky gut where, you know, it's, due to inflammation in your stomach or in your digestive tract, toxins are getting from your intestine into your bloodstream, and that's one of the triggers for autoimmune, uh, brain function, uh, low energy. It's one of the sort of the keys to health. So getting your digestion right would be number one. Uh, fatigue is one of those ones that is often a sign of uh, adrenal stress. So the adrenals are so important because they... They help regulate blood sugar. They help uh, regulate inflammation. So if the adrenals aren't working, it can lead to tiredness, overweight. You can even be eating a good diet and exercising but still not be able to lose those kilos, and that can come down to the adrenals. So let's, let's just touch on the um, – there's a couple of things I want to go back to then. Um, so let's talk about poop or robo stools that you were <laughs> so interested in earlier in the program. Um, I how, how regularly should one be going to uh, do number twos? And tell me utopia for when your system is working properly, uh, what should it look like and what are the signs that things maybe aren't, aren't, aren't right? Well, the, the ideal is probably once a day. Uh, in you know, traditional cultures where they're eating you know, no processed foods, it's two or even three times a day. Yep. And you can test out, like sometimes people go every day, but they might be pulling two or three days, it takes yeah. two or three days to go through them. So I'll often tell people to do the beetroot corn test where they eat some beetroot and corn, and they should see it in the stool. It's quite noticeable the next day. And if it's coming out two, three, four, or even five days later, you know you've got a slow transit problem. That is gold because that's something that people could immediately leave this program and test, isn't it? So, and if anyone out there's um, pooping gold, <laughs> give me a call. <laughs> <laughs> well, there are golden beetroots. <laughs> so it, it looks like you might have had blood. So it's you know don't be alarmed <laughs> yeah. if, it, if it's red, but that's what it should look like. Bristol stool chart's a good 
one that people can just look up online easily, and it just shows all the different like types of stools you can get or poos and and what the ideal one should look like. Sorry, Mike, what, what was it called? The Bristol Stool Chart. Bristol Stool Chart. We'll put that in the show notes, the Bristol Stool Chart. Okay. Like if people describe to me, like I always, that's one of the questions I always ask people, and from from the health of their stool, I can tell whether they might uh, need more digestive enzymes, whether they might need more of the good bacteria, whether they might need more fibre, or sometimes we might need to do further investigations and do some comprehensive stool testing, which looks at you know a whole range of aspects of their stool health and can tell can tell all those things I was talking about. But if there's any bacteria or parasitic infections or yeast or candida, so things in Chinatown things aren't great, and we're going to start to get on the the path to wellness. You talked about digestive enzymes. What do I do? So I, I go. I've obviously got a problem. Uh, the corn has taken three or four days to pass through, so I know I want to do something. I'm not ready to go to a practitioner yet. What's something – how do I get digestive enzymes? How do I start that process? So there's two different types you can get. There's the ones for the stomach and there's ones for the pancreas. So the betaine hydrochloride is the one you take for the stomach. And it's a bit of a self – everyone's different. So some people might need one, more so with protein meals. And if someone's still getting like – burping, reflux, bloating. They're the types of people that often are low in digestive enzymes. So mm, mm. sometimes they might need two or three. And it's your typical Western diet, medications, uh, things like that that cause this low, low stomach acid. And as people get older, the stomach acid drops as well. So a lot of people, you know, 60 plus, possibly should be on digestive enzymes. Yep. But often they're put on Nexium and those other sort of drugs for their problems. Michael, would you include uh, kombucha or kefir or uh, those sorts of probiotics in that digestive enzyme bracket? Yeah, they will help digestion, but more by improving the good bacteria in the intestines. Yeah. But the digestive enzymes, the other ones are the pancreatic enzymes to okay. help digest carbohydrates, fats, and protein. Yeah. Do you... Do you also, as a practitioner, believe that probiotics are an advantage to the gut? Sometimes they are, and there's different probiotics now. There's a lot of research into probiotics, and different ones have been shown to do different things, so it's not mm. one size fits all. And yep. you also want to have the what they call prebiotics, or the, the food for the probiotics, which is good fiber, um, flaxseed meal, psyllium, things like that, to help the probiotics thrive. I, I heard a podcast recently and a doctor was on there who talked about uh, real honey as opposed to the stuff we buy in supermarkets, but from, uh, is it an a- apiarist? Is that the right term for a guy who runs a, a-, a um, beehive? That sounds right. Yeah. <laughs> apiarist, yeah, not an atheist, an apiarist. <laughs> yeah. um, and he was saying that a, as a uh, prebiotic, uh, a tablespoon or a teaspoon of real honey that has the flora from the bee still in it as, it, as bought from a farmer's markets or from the guy who runs the hive is a good prebiotic. Is that something you've, um, you've heard about and believe in? I haven't heard that, but I would, I would think that it could be true. You mentioned the digestive enzymes, and we're working through a process here of helping someone think about their gut and their gut health that can help to 
um, get them in better shape to preclude some of the diseases that can follow if the gut is not healthy. You mentioned leaky gut. Can you just describe again what leaky gut is and what we can do about it? Because it, it is being spoken about more in mainstream media, isn't it? Yeah, 20 years ago, you know, doctors were kind of dismissed the idea of leaky gut, but now it's been well proven to happen. And the mechanism behind it can be medications, uh, too much alcohol can cause it, too much of all the wrong foods, particularly gluten. Gluten's been shown to cause leaky gut. And for some people who have, say, celiac, that leakiness might last for six months with one exposure to gluten. But even a normal healthy person, that leakiness will be there for at least a few hours. So with inflammation, and that can come from stress, the diet, the leakiness of the gut will will lead to the proteins and toxins coming from the intestine into the bloodstream that should be eliminated. It's a bit like your sewer is leaking. You know, if you had if your toilet was leaking into the house, you'd be calling the plumber pretty quick. Yep. Yep, yep. Especially in this house. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was speaking to a, a guy recently and he had lost lost some significant weight, was getting himself well. He was seemingly ticking all the boxes. And when he spoke to his practitioner, one of the issues that he faced was he recommended he was having too much protein and too much protein was creating an issue. Do you see that often? For most people, I find that they're not eating enough protein. Right. But, but for some people that might have already switched to like a more of a paleo diet or they're exercising and they think that more protein is better, yeah, I do see that. So there's no, there's no evidence that for around about 1.5 grams per kilo of body weight, so if someone's you know, 100 kilos, there's no evidence that they should be taking more than 150 grams of protein a day. Yep. And even having it one day a week where you have like a low-protein day can be quite good. Yep. And I heard uh, Dave, I think it was Dave Asprey on the Bulletproof Executive talk about the fact that um, the proteins above that amount that aren't used can turn into triglycerides. Is that Would that be your belief? Yeah, there's a process called gluconeogenesis where it gets turned into fat in the liver. Right. Hmm. And is that, can that lead to what they call fatty liver? It could, but more commonly it's, that's caused by excess amounts of carbohydrates. Okay. And often excess amounts of carbohydrates in, in combination with fats. So a higher yeah. fat, low-carbohydrate diet won't cause fatty liver, but a high-carbohydrate, high-fat diet will lead to, lead to fatty liver. And what problems would fatty liver lead to for, for someone? Well, fatty liver, often with fatty liver, there's also fat around the other organs. So fatty liver is going to lead to inflammation, and the inflammation is that driving force behind diabetes. It's going to increase the risk for diabetes, heart disease, all those metabolic syndromes. Yeah, right. So I've also heard people talk about the fact that you can be quite slim but be unhealthy. You can be skinny fat. What's meant by that and how would someone sort of – what would be a, a symptom of someone who believes they're not carrying excess weight but uh, there's a potential that they could be not well on the inside? So skinny fat is often – it's often more often not with guys and – Often guys who have a, you know, for a long time they haven't been overweight 
You know, they might carry just two or three kilos. You look at them and you th- they look fine. They have a healthy BMI, but they're usually fairly inactive. They might have you know, office jobs yeah. or desk jobs. They eat. They, they could even eat a healthy-ish diet. Like when I mean healthy-ish, healthy according to government guidelines. They might have cereal for breakfast with some juice and a sandwich, and um, you know, pasta and rice for dinner, but they're just getting too many carbohydrates, which is getting converted to fat in the liver and building up. So right. often they don't show symptoms until it's too late. Mm. That's where they can start to develop diabetes, high blood pressure, uh, cardiovascular disease. So you need to look at your diet. You need to sort of look at those three or four kilos, particularly around the waist. You just talked about the guidelines that is set down by different bodies. Could you just maybe cover off one, two, or three of the myths that we've been led to believe over the years that are the right the right um, directions for us with our health that are turning out to be incorrect and are leading to some of the issues we have in society? Like, what are the what are the myths that you think need to be addressed and uh, the truth be spoken? Probably the biggest one is that we should be eating a low fat diet. And I think that myth already being started to be exposed with a lot of the research now shows that's not, that's not the case and that's actually one of the causes of all our chronic health problems that we're eating low fat. Because if you're eating low fat, you must be then eating high carbohydrate from cereals and grains and that's the mm. part that's leading to the obesity. It's, you know, the government slowly... You know, they take a long time to change. The Swedish government's actually changed their official guidelines to recommending a low-carbohydrate, high-fat diet. So that's that's a good start. And the problem is, is a lot of the industries uh, focus on their foods are low, low-fat, high-carbohydrate grain, you know, muesli bars and cereals. So the government has a lot of pressure from from outside influences on what we eat. Mm. And then after the high-fat low-fat myth would be the that we need to eat seven or eight serves of grains a day. Mm. Like I still hear dietitians and people saying that you can't cut out grains, they're a food group. But it's only the last, especially the last 50 years of all the processed foods that we've eaten grains in the quantities that we do eat them. So with that in mind, Michael, if we, we like to be able to give people actual tangible takeaways to put this into play, Talk me through utopia in a day uh, of eating that would be in line with the right fats, uh, the right amount of carbohydrates, the right, right amount of protein. Just give me a meal plan of options that someone could follow through a day. Well, for me, that would vary from person to person. So if someone's already has diabetes, or some other metabolic syndrome, high blood pressure, cardiovascular disease, I'd be looking at a low-carbohydrate, high-fat diet. And so for a normal day, uh, well, a normal day for me is having like breakfast would be eggs and some leftover vegetables from the night before. Um, Occasionally I might add some bacon, but normally it's just eggs and vegetables. And I'll cook that in butter or sometimes coconut oil. Uh, Sometimes I just have a bulletproof coffee, which is the... For people who don't know what that is, that's a tablespoon of butter and a couple of teaspoons or a couple of tablespoons for me of MCT oil, and that keeps me going for till lunchtime. If I have a snack, or for people, 
If you're changing from a high-carb diet, I do recommend snacking. But the longer you follow a high-fat diet, you'll find that you just don't need to snack. So for snacks, things like veggie sticks, dips, nuts, things like that are great. Lunchtime might be some raw raw salad vegetables, some good fats, and some sort of uh, protein, like you know, often the easiest ones leftovers from the night before. It could even be just a tin of sardines or salmon, some chicken mixed with some avocado, macadamia oil, olive oil, good quality olive oil. And then for dinner, like meat with lots of vegetables. It doesn't have to be big portions of meat, just in smaller portions of protein, but lots of salads, vegetables, and always including the fats. The fats are so important because they're, they help satiety and help fill you up and they provide energy, but all the vegetables and nutrients and phytonutrients in vegetables often rely on fats for absorption. So people eating lots of vegetables on a low-fat diet, they're often not getting as much nutrition out of the food that they're eating. And when you say um, fats, we're talking avocado, eggs, uh, grass-fed animal fats, uh, coconut oils, extra virgin olive oils. Is that, is that the sort of stuff you're talking about? Is there anything else that you would add to that list? Nuts? Yeah, the nuts, yeah. Nuts. Uh, did you mention butter and coconut butter. oil? They're my sort of favorite ones. And the ones that, that you must avoid are the... The industrial processed seed oils, which are your canola and your rice bran oil and those blended vegetable oils. Humans have only, they've only been around for 50 years, which is not a very long time at all. So it's actually more of an experiment. And the experiment shows that it's leading to too much omega-6 in the body compared to omega-3, which is inflammatory. And inflammation is what is the driving factor behind all the, all the chronic illnesses and arthritis and diabetes. So, Michael, we've got, um, I think that the terrific food suggestions. So say um, with Robbo's question about Crohn's or there may be people listening with, could be diabetics or it could be people who are just not feeling great, uh, they're irritable, got digestion, not pooping for two days, you know, at a time and, you know, that sort of stuff. What would be your top three recommendations to immediately help people get their get their system working, get their mojo going? Probably the, mainly around food. I would start with, and you know, I would start with a gluten free. You know, for one month, just try a like a paleo style diet. Cut out all the processed foods. Get a real food diet. Try and avoid anything that comes in a packet, and and just see what difference that makes. That, that that'd be the number one thing. Drinking you know, plenty of good quality water, keeping hydrated. A lot of people forget to drink or what they are drinking is soft drinks and too much coffee, tea, things like that. And and making sure you get some protein and good fats with each meal. Like sometimes if people have been eating carbohydrates, sometimes I'll talk to people and ask them about their diet and they're having, they might even be having a, a cereal or a porridge for breakfast, a salad sandwich for lunch. And it all seems healthy, but it's all carbohydrates and no protein and fat. That would be the other area I'd focus on is making sure you have at least a gram of protein uh, per kilo of body weight and and plenty of good fat. So I'm going to throw out a challenge here, Robbo. Mm -hmm. If Michael is agreeable, I'd like to get him back on the program uh, in a month. Are you agreeable to go through these three things, the gluten-free, the water, 
the real food, fat and protein, and get rid of the processed foods. Mm-hmm. Are you should we should we make a make an agreement? We'll get, if Michael's agreeable to get him back on the show in a month's time, we'll put you to the test to go through these things to see the impact it has. Number one on general mojo. Uh, performance, everything else, and also the effect it may have on your crimes? Sure. Yeah. I, I, to be honest, I mean, in, in reality, my diet is fairly close to that because of the Crohn's. But, um, but yeah, absolutely. That means, uh, yeah, that means no Tim Tams, eh? Yeah, that means no Tim Tams. <laughs> Damn it. Yeah, it's always the, yeah, no, it's, uh, my diet's pretty close. It's the pretty part that I'm worried about. I, I was actually going to say. in the studio here. It's not pretty. I was actually going to say, if I put an uh, um, avocado and an egg on my hamburger, is that okay? Am I getting my good fats? <laughs> as, long as, as long as it's grass-fed beef, yeah, mate. Yeah, whatever. That's right. No, if only. If only, and sometimes if only. people do have a pretty good diet. And, but it's, it's actually going a hundred percent that makes all the difference. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. you can't, you know, you can eat even gluten once or twice a week and that can be enough not to get mm. results. Sometimes people don't see any results for two or three weeks mm. and then, and then it gets out of their system and they start feeling better. Mm. For some more of the mental health type of issues, sometimes you've got to do it for longer, but a month is a good starting point. Yeah. Look, for me, I think the thing is it- food has become a bit of a reward, like a treat, because I have to watch my diet because of my health issues. Mm. Uh, Whereas I used to be a smoker before I was diagnosed with Crohn's and a cigarette would be a reward. I guess I've replaced that now with either a coffee or a biscuit or, you know, something like that, that I know I probably shouldn't have too much of. So, um, so Mm. it's really a, that's why I asked the, um, the psychology question before, because for me, that's a real issue. And for some people, they can't, they can't have, they're better off having none. I feel like an alcoholic. They're better off having none than one. Mm. Yeah, that's true. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Well, let's try it for 30 days, Robbo, and we'll come back and we'll check in with Michael. I've got to say, out of this interview, I've got another page full of questions that we can mm. go into, but we, mm. we, we'll let Michael get back to, um, to his afternoon. But, mm. um, Michael, just a couple of uh, rapid-fire questions just for you, mate. Um, rapid-fire mojo. What's your favourite go-to food? My favourite go-to food is curry. Uh, it's Thai curry. So we don't have a good Thai restaurant here, so if I need to go, yeah, whenever I go to Brisbane or travel out of town, I always get a good curry. Nice. What's your best natural health resource, whether it be book, website, blog, podcast? What's your best resource to go to for this, this, this topic? Um, I'm a big podcast listener to it myself, listen to it, listener. So probably Rob Wolf's podcast is a good one. He has yep, some yep. really good guests on that. It's called yep. The Paleo Show or something like that. Rob Wolf, you just, just have to Google him. Yep. Excellent. I'd agree with that. Um, what's your own personal song to get your mojo working, mate? That, that changes from time to time, but lately uh, it's been Jurassic 5, which is – Kind of an old school hip hop band that and my eight year old daughter gets right into, but that sort of we get we get grooving to that. Isn't it sad? that um, we start to follow our children's musical tastes. I, I find myself on <laughs> numerous occasions wandering around the house humming tunes that I would never do have if I had no kids. 
Oh, Katy Perry. Oh. <laughs> oh, Jesus, don't go there. <laughs> well, Jurassic 5 one, she's learned that one from me. That was probably that was probably big about fifteen years ago. Yeah, I was very proud of my um my my nine year old son the other day when he came running into the room saying, um, "Dad, Dad, ACDC's on the radio," and I went, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, that's great." I was watching the rugby or something, and I said, "And he said, can you come and turn it up? This rocks." <laughs> <laughs> I was probably like, got yes. to do with this big big poster you got here in the studio. That's right. Um, <laughs> Michael, what's the one exercise that you can't do without? Well, I love running. Running is uh, – I used to run a lot of long distance, but now I do more, you know, shorter sprints, but I still love running. There's a lot of other exercises I like doing, but if, if I can't go for a run with the dogs, that's, you know, it's great mental mental health release for me. And what's your uh, best supplement? What's your go-to supplement that you personally think it makes a difference to your mojo? Well, because I eat. Quite well. I don't really have a lot of supplements. Um, The one that I do take on a regular basis is a specific B vitamin that has a form of folate in called methyl folate. So I have a genetic enzyme defect, which means I can't metabolize folate very well. So without that, yeah, I definitely notice my mojo dropping off. So I take that, that B vitamin. Brilliant. That's just that's great. Um, we'll let you get on with your uh, your day, mate. This has been fantastic, and I must say, um, I think the information you've provided um, has been great. But I've got so much more to ask you about as we progress through our little show. So, if it's okay, we might get you back on the program um, in the near future to check in with what how we're going here in the studio, and also to continue this conversation, Michael, if you're into it. That'd be a pleasure. It was great. Thanks very much. Thank you so much for your time. It was brilliant, Michael. And uh, but before we go, where, um, I am sure there are people around the country um, who want to get in touch with you because um, I, I can honestly say I know people who are working with you and they speak so highly of your work. And I think you've demonstrated that through the podcast. Um, where where can people get in touch with you? The best place is going to my website, planetnaturopath.com. And in the contact details there, it's got my email and Skype and phone number. People can contact me that way. And there's a lot of good articles and more information on things we've just been talking about. So planetnaturopath.com. Um, Rubber, we'll put a, a link to that in the show notes. And, um, Michael, just a quick plug for you also. I have been led to believe, which I haven't uh, read yet, but we, we in the studio will get onto it. You, do you have your own blog? That's on the, on the Planet Naturopath website. Yeah, great. Okay, so people should check that out as well. Mate, uh, once again, thank you for your time and we'll be sure to be in touch with you shortly. Thank you very much. See you later. The Mojo Radio Show. He was awesome. He was good, wasn't he? I I tell you what, I literally have got a page of notes Mm. and I reckon I've got another page of other stuff to talk about. Yeah, there's so much interesting stuff around that. I mean, especially for me, from what I've gleaned from having Crohn's disease is, you know, simple things like um, having antibacterial stuff in your house, like this this compulsion we have that everything has to be antibacterial. There's a mm. lot of research that's showing Crohn's is actually becoming more prevalent in Western society because of that, because your body gets these germs and goes, I don't know what to do with that anymore. So its natural reaction is to fight it off when it's actually a bacteria that your body should have. You know, it's so scary, some of the things that we're doing to ourselves. Um, and as he talks well, about yeah. with rice bran oil and all that sort of stuff, yeah. he's right. It is only an experiment. You know, it's only been a generation. Who knows what the consequences are? 
Well, there's a couple of things with that. I, um, I'm sure Michael would concur that one of the leaders in this sort of primal paleo movement um, is a guy called Mark Sisson, mm. and he wrote a very good book, which I'll put in the uh, show notes, um, called The Primal Blueprint, which kind of is a, a very simplistic and easy step-by-step process to going and putting together what Michael's talking about. Mm. However, in saying that, I still would contact Michael because I think you need to have it personalized to yeah. you. But Michael does go through your bloods and mm. your genomics and your hormones, stuff like that. I think that's critical. However, mm. um, as, a, as a great read, Mark Sisson did this primal blueprint. And one of the things he talked about in there, once you go through the food and exercise and stuff, he said is play. Mm. And he said one of the issues is that we don't grow and grow our own veggies. We don't get dirty. Kids aren't allowed to play outside. We're living in cement jungles. Mm. And um, dirt and germs are the enemy, yet they go back to what Michael was talking about in terms of probiotics, prebiotics, mm. and digestive enzymes. They mm. come out of the ground. So That's right. to your point, I think uh, it's such an important part of it now and having a little bit of dirt on, on a veggies and stuff, um, to Mark Sisson's point, actually is a good thing for your gut. That's right. Yep. My gastro was telling me um, – for those who don't know me, and there's plenty of you out there, um, I recently had a baby a year or so ago, and my gastro was saying to me, make sure that your wife doesn't stop the baby from playing in the dirt and then licking your fingers and stuff yeah. like that. She said, he said, you know, there's obvious stuff like dog poo and blah, 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 but the yeah. rest of it, let her go, you know, let her do it. <laughs> hey, um, you know that psychology of food? I thought that was, I, I thought that was gold. There, there's gold in them, there hills. Hang on a sec. Um, That's gold. gold. There you go. Do you like that? I've been playing it for weeks <laughs> and you've been missing it. Oh, that is way cool, man. I like that. <laughs> so every time you we're say gonna, that from now gonna, on, <laughs> that's what's going to happen. We're going to... We're going to trade, trademark. That's a bit of redneck there for our show. But what, um, would, uh, what would Guy Dobson say if any of his jocks were on air on Triple M and kept using the same phrase? Come on, mate. Come on, mate. You've you got to be creative, on, you know. Oh, well, Gracie, mate, Gracie. mate, you've got to get more creative. Mate, mate, come on. It's, um, a bit of a, it's a bit of a crutch. It's a bit, a bit of a crutch there, Gary. Ian Grace, <laughs> one of the great, great program directors of all time in radio. Indeed. Um, we got so much more to talk to Michael about. I want to go into bulletproof coffee more and the hormone thing. And, Wasn't that and interesting? Mm. Bulletproof coffee. I'm going to go and Google that now just to find out a bit more. The other thing, just to, to close off the show, mate, just um, because we're sort of getting into health and uh, wellness and stuff today, just a, a thought. Anytime Fitness put a blog out last night and it talked about the fact that we should change up our workout routine. Mm. So this may be appropriate to the under-11 rugby team that we currently have down at Pennant Hills there, mate. Well, I was going to mention that I forgot to get some some nutrition tips. So it's a good thing that Michael's (laughs) going to come back, really. Yeah, so I think um, it's just interesting that the the concept of this blog from Anytime Fitness was that over time your muscles adapt to become efficient at performing the same old, same old. Mm. And what the biohackers and people who are looking at exploring, experimenting with the best performance is to change up your routine. And I think Andrew May made reference to that in our first episode. Mm. That, um, And I call it the Matthew McConaughey approach to workouts, and it's just a, a theory I'm working on, but it, it's now getting some traction with people who are good at this stuff. <laughs> um, and rather than go to the gym every day, if you do go to the gym every day and that's your thing, then – Break up your routines and one day do heavy, the next day do high reps, the next day do 
you know, a, um, a cardio workout, the mm. next day do a CrossFit workout or one day get on the bike, next day go for a walk, next day lift something heavy, mm. um, the next day go on the playground and do stuff with your kids and do chin-ups and pull-ups and body weight movements, next day do rock climbing. And what that does is it shocks the system and you're not getting used to the same old, same old of just running or just biking every day. And there seems to be some traction behind this thought now. The reason I call it Matthew McConaughey, the, the Hollywood um, hunk, is that when he came to Australia, he was interviewed on one of the uh, talkback shows and they said, you know, what have you been doing? He said, well, yesterday I went surfing, uh, today I went mountain biking, tomorrow I'm going to go for a run up in the Tablelands, um, the following day I, I think I might do some rock climbing in the Blue Mountains. Now, of course, he's got the money and the finance better to get around, but the principle mm. of it is that he just looks to break up his routine so it's not the same old, same old every day. And I think it's one of the reasons people get bored with the gym or stuff because they do the same old, same old. There's no, you know, there's no different variety for their brain and mm. also their muscles get used to the same workout. So mm. it's just a thought. That's a great idea. That's a very clever idea. And they – and maybe the same for the boys, the under 11s. You know, you take down some tires and get them doing some tire flips uh-huh. one week. And then yep. next week, you take down some, um, some ropes and get them to do a rope exercise. And there, there'll be the drills and stuff you will do for the clean out and everything else. But mm. then you bring in this stuff that makes, that stretches their brain, but also provides some variety for them, which makes it interesting. Yeah. Um, but also it, although getting the cardio and muscular structural advantages of it, mm. um, it, it makes it a bit more interesting for them. Can, can I just ask you a question though? Have you ever seen an 11-year-old do a push-up? <laughs> you, know, you know how it's I, supposed I to be have, a plank. I, I'm, yet to, I'm yet to see a 40-year-old sound engineer do a <laughs> you watch them. You watch them do a push-up and it's instead of a plank going up and down, it's like watching waves roll into the beach. The knees go down, then the hips go down, then the shoulders go down. The shoulders come up, the hips come up, the knees come up. <laughs> Sounds a lot like me in a mirror. Oh, uh, dear. They have fun. That's the main thing. And that, that is, you know what, back to all the stuff we've talked about today. Mm. That is the essence of all of it. Nothing will work mm. unless you're having fun. That's exactly. That's to finish the show. All right. Well, let's finish it then. Enough said. See you soon. The Mojo Radio Show is produced and recorded in the studios of Voodoo Sound. For more tips and tools to get your mojo working, check us out on Facebook at The Mojo Radio Show or online at themojoradioshow.com. For more about Gary, see GaryBurtWhistle.com or to polish your next audio or video production, check out VoodooSound.com.au and for the right voice, RealtimeCasting.com. Andrew Peters speaking. See you next time. <laughs>